just before uh, I share, I wanted to introduce a friend of mine and colleague. Uh, this is Jennifer, and Jennifer is our church relations coordinator at Urban Promise. You've been around for a while. I have. This is my sixth year, sixth year. at Urban Promise. So. But I think out of all the churches that we work with, do you have a favorite? Oh, Hope. Hope is my favorite. <laughs> this week, Hope is my favorite church. <laughs> so, but I, I will say it's such a joy to to be here, I, um, you know, to be with Pastor Jeff and, and this church has such a spirit, a heart for mission, a heart for giving, uh, and it's, it's such a privilege for Urban Promise to be a part of your ministry, as well as for you to be a part of ours. We have so many that have come out to volunteer, that have worked at Urban Promise, that support us, and so my job is to say thank you. Uh, and to invite you to come celebrate our 30 years with us. We have our banquet on Tuesday, October 23rd. It is, uh, for me, my most favorite night of the year because truly when our youth and our alum and our children are on that stage and they're telling their Urban Promise story, it makes you want to stand up and cheer and to know and to be so proud that you are a part of this ministry. And so I invite you to come and get more information about that. I'm out there. If God places us on your heart and you want to do more and you want to volunteer, come see me. Uh, you want to become a child sponsor and help support the camps that our interns are giving so much time and energy um, and effort into, please come out and learn how you can do that. But again, just simply know that we are grateful for you, for your prayers, and for your continued support. And Thank pretty you. good barbecue team, right? Here. Oh my gosh, let me yeah. just say that you, if you're involved in the men's group, let me just tell you that our, <laughs> our 100 plus teens that we hire for the summer come out with our interns, our camp directors, and you really, at the end of their training week, give them a place of joy and rest and nourishment. So thank you so much, Mas. Thank you. And it, it's, it's probably the only time they get meat all summer. So, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, the scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And what I love about this scripture is it actually was the lectionary reading uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, the lectionary, you know, every three years, they cycle through all the scripture. This was the scripture. You'll see why, uh, why, why the connection. Um, but here's what Isaiah writes or speaks. Um, God gives strength to the weary. God gives strength to the weary. God increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. And young men and women stumble and fall. But those that hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like... <laughs> you guys catch on quick. I love it. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk, and they will not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that uh, there's promises in scripture. And uh, we thank you for this promise this morning that when we trust in you, that when we put our hope in you, that uh, you will write a better story uh, for our lives. So I pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds as we ponder these words in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I, uh, that scripture reminds me of the, uh, the, the preacher who's trying to motivate his congregation one Sunday morning. And, and uh, so he, he gets going in his sermon and he says, you know, church, you know, if we're really going to be the church, we've got to learn to crawl. And all the congregants go, yeah, we'll crawl, pastor, we'll crawl. And then, uh, then the pastor says, and, and once we learn how to crawl, church, we've got to learn how to walk. And all the congregants go, yeah, pastor, we'll learn to walk. And, and then the pastor says, and once we learn how to walk, we're going to need to learn how to run. And uh, the congregation goes, we'll run, pastor, we'll run. And once we learn how to run, says the pastor, we're going to have to soar like eagles. And to soar like eagles, we'll need money. Somebody in the back says, we'll crawl, pastor, we'll crawl. <laughs> I was uh, with our uh, leaders uh, about a year ago, and I gather once a year all our leaders from different cities around the United States and around the world, and I was asking them a question to share some of their highs and lows of their experience, and I'll never forget, we, we got around the circle and we got to a young man named James from Wilmington. He's one of our leaders in Wilmington, and James looked at the group and he said, you know, I, I need to share that, that God, God writes a better story. And I said, uh, James, what do you mean by that? And this is what he said. He said, you know, there was a kid in my program. His name was Giovanni, and I poured a lot into that kid. I took him out for ice cream. We celebrated his birthday. You know, I, I just tried to mentor him. And, and then Giovanni was picked up in a drug sweep, and I didn't realize that he'd been involved in dealing drugs in the neighborhood. And there were a lot of drugs involved, so he got hit hard, and he was sent away for five years. And, and James said, you know, that just broke my heart, tore me up, crushed, crushed my spirit. And he said, five years went by and Giovanni gets out of prison. One of the first guys he calls is me. And we're talking on the phone. And at one point I said to him, what happened in prison? And he said this, he said, you know, one night I was lying in my bunk bed and I'm looking up at the ceiling. And he said, um, I asked myself this question. I said, where, where did I experience the most love in my life? And he said, it was at Urban Promise. And then he said, what was it about those folk at Urban Promise? And he said, they were all Christians. So Giovanni said, I decided to make a profession of faith. And I started going to chapel and I got involved in Bible studies. And while I was in prison, I also learned how to cut hair. And they're talking on the phone. And then at one point, Giovanni said to James, he said, James, I want to ask you a favor. And James said, anything, Giovanni. He said, I'm wondering if I could use your living room on Friday night to set up a barbershop. You see, James lived right in the community where Giovanni grew up, where he was dealing drugs. And Giovanni said, I want to set up a barbershop. I want to cut hair for the drug dealers and their kids in the community. And James looked at the group of leaders and said, so on Friday night in my living room, there's Giovanni cutting hair, sharing God's love and grace with drug dealers that he used to work with and their children. And James looked at us and he said, that's a story I could never have imagined. <laughs> and then he said, God writes a better story. I, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but that, that has just stuck with me. I, I mean, that little sermon, I, I needed to hear it. I mean, if, I, I wish I heard it 30 years ago. It would have saved me three years of seminary. I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, kind of the essence of what we believe as Christians, God writes a better story. I mean, we believe that God can take brokenness and broken neighborhoods and, 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 and restore them. 
God writes a better story. I was just in Little Rock, Arkansas, visiting uh, our, our latest ministry there, and it's, it's led by a dynamic young woman, 31, 32 years of age, Kristen Walker. And I said, Kristen, why did you pick this this neighborhood in North Little Rock. And this is what she said. She said, when I got here, I did a ride around the neighborhood with the, the chief of police. And during the ride, I said to the chief of police, what is your most dangerous neighborhood? And the chief of police said, it's Bering Cross. He said, that's where we get the most calls from. That's where the most drugs are. That's where the most gangs were, are. And Kristen said, that's where we're going to start Urban Promise. Well, you don't do that, do you? <laughs> Unless you believe that God can write a better story, you don't start ministries in the most dangerous neighborhoods in the city. God writes a better story. That's fundamentally the gospel, is it not? Here's another story for you. This is one I love. I, I met a guy in Malawi a few years ago. His name was Simplex. Never met anybody with that name, Simplex. He started this nonprofit that teaches prisoners how to read. And I said, Simplex, how did you start this ministry? This is what he said to me. He said, Bruce, I was graduated from college. I got a job in education, and I was kind of a rising star. And I got noticed, and they selected me to be on this national committee to develop tests for the kids across the country. So I worked on developing these tests. He said, I had one in my, my, my desk drawer, and one of my students, after hours, snuck in, stole my test, and the student got caught. And he said, in Malawi, that's serious. And so he said, I got, I got dragged before a judge, and I was sentenced to five years in prison. He said, Bruce, you don't have any idea what Malawi prisons are like. They're hellholes. They are the worst places on earth. And Simplex said, I'm there. I, I don't know what's going on. At one moment, I'm on this fast track to becoming this great educator. The next moment, I'm in prison. He said, I refuse to put on the prison uniform because I refuse to take on the identity of a prisoner. And he started waiting out his time, didn't know what was going on. One day, one of the inmates noticed him on the yard and said, hey, you're a teacher, aren't you? Simplex said, yeah. Guy said, would you teach me how to read? So Simplex started meeting with this guy and teaching him how to read. Before long, he had two or three more. Before long, he had a small group. It's against the law in Malawian prisons to do that. But some of the guards noticed, and they wanted to learn how to read too. And so all of a sudden, they were turning their backs. Before long, he had 40 or 50 guys that he was teaching how to read. This priest from Canada came and visited the prison videotape what was going on. The video went viral. <laughs> the president of Malawi sees the video. He reduces Simplex's prison sentence on the condition that he would start a reading program for men and women in prison. And so now he's teaching men and women in prison across Malawi how to read. Go figure. That's a pretty good story, is it not? God writes... Oh, come on, you guys. Turn to your neighbor. Say it. God writes? Come on, one more time. God writes? <laughs> okay, now we're getting it, Jeff. You think we're getting it? 
reminds me of the pastor. He's, he's wanting to make a point and want to make sure. One of our occupational pastors, you know, things is that we can be preaching, but we don't know whether people are, like, getting the point. So he, he, he wants to illustrate one morning. So he, he comes up on his pulpit, and he's got four jars, and he's trying to teach the importance of rooting your life in good earth. Good stuff. So one jar is full of whiskey, one jar is full of cigarette smoke, one jar is full of chocolate, and one jar is full of good earth. And beside the pulpit, he's got a bag, he's preaching a sermon. At one point, he pulls out a worm and says, hey, and he drops it in the jar of whiskey, and the, the worm dies, and the congregation groans, and preaching along, talking about the importance of rooting our lives in good stuff, picks out another worm, drops it in the jar of cigarette smoke, it dies, Congregation groans, preaching along, picks out another worm, drops it in the jar of chocolate, it dies. Finally, he gets to his last point, picks out the worm, drops it in the jar of good earth, and the, and the worm thrives, and he looks out at the congregation and says, congregation, what's the point? This woman in the back puts up her hand and says, well, if you smoke, drink, and eat chocolate, you won't get worms. <laughs> God writes a better story. So Isaiah this morning Isaiah is writing to a community in exile. The people of Israel have lost everything. Jerusalem is in rubble. They've been led away into captivity. They're basically prisoners in Babylon. And the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is telling the people why they're there. They align themselves with secular foreign leaders. They abused the poor. They developed policies that oppressed the weak. They turned away from God. And then in verse 40 comes this new vision, this new story. And Isaiah says to the people in this chapter, those that trust in the Lord, those that put their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. There'll be power for the weak. There'll be rest for the weary. You'll be able to mount up like eagles and for people in oppression, boy, that must have been a great image, right? Flying like eagles beyond the captivity of Babylon. You'll be able to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. That's a good story. And what Isaiah is basically saying to the people in captivity, the Israel people, is that God wants to redeem them. God wants to take them back to something better. You see, God doesn't want to just save us. God doesn't want us to just come to church. God doesn't want us just to, to, to be good people. God wants to take us, our histories, our personalities, our brokenness, our barren neighborhoods, and redeem them. Reclaim, rebuild. God writes a better story. Do we believe it? I, uh, in college, I, uh, after college, I, I bought my first car. And I remember it was a 1966 VW Bug. And, and the way I got the car was I, was I visited the aunt of a girl I wanted to date. I wanted to score some points. And so I go to this aunt's house, and th she's got this 66 VW bug 
in the driveway. And she'd been living in the Philippines for 15 years, so it had been in storage. So it was a 66 bug with 19,000 original miles on it. And so we're talking, and I share that I need a car. And she says, well, I got this car. I haven't started it in 15 years, but if you want it, I said, how much? She said, 300 bucks. Wow, even a college graduate with a boatload of debt. I mean, 300 bucks. So she gave me the keys, and I went out to the driveway, and I turned it on, and I coasted down the driveway and popped the clutch, and a big puff of blue smoke came out, and I drove that car away. I didn't get the girl, <laughs> but I got a great car, and it got me through grad school. I quartered my wife in that car, and when we moved to New Jersey, I drove it into the back of our U-Haul truck, and I carted across the country. I used it for a few years, and then one day I lent it to one of my staff who burned out the engine. I had two kids in diapers, couldn't afford to fix it, so it sat in my driveway for six months, and every month my wife would remind me, what are you going to do with this car? Finally, one day, my neighbor came over and said, hey, what are you doing with that car? You want to sell it? I said, well, not really, and he said, well, I'll give you 100 bucks. I figured I bought it for 300. I used it for six years, 100 bucks. That's not bad. I got two kids in diapers. I could use the money. He takes the car. Six weeks later, this hot cherry red VW bug comes down 27th street and parks in front of my neighbor's house. I mean, it, it's got chrome wheels and it sparkles. And I walk across the street, Jeff, I look in it, it's my car. <laughs> it wasn't a BMW or a Lexus. It was just a VW bug, but boy, it was a nice bug. It was redeemed. <laughs> You see, God doesn't exchange us. God redeems us. The, the, the people of Israel would still have to remember what they went through. That wouldn't be a race, but God would take that experience and make it whole and beautiful. Urban promise, that's what we believe. We believe for every one of the kids that walks through the door of our program that God has the potential to write a better story. There's a form of art that was developed in the 15th century. It's Japanese. It's called Kintsuki. And what's so interesting about this art form, I mean, the legend says that there was an emperor who had this beautiful vase and somehow it got knocked over and he wanted it to be fixed. So he sent it away and when it came back, instead of hiding all the cracks and flaws, the cracks and flaws were accentuated with gold. Didn't try to hide the flaws, didn't try to make it perfect, just accentuated the cracks, the flaws. And within the Japanese culture, it, it, it's taken on value because now it has a story. It's redeemed. Isaiah promises us today, if we put our hope in the Lord, put our hope in God, power for the weak, rest for the weary. I uh, will close with this. Um, the young woman that sang this morning she disappeared. Her name's Siobhan. 
Two weeks ago, I came into my office and there was a package leaning against my door. It was beautifully wrapped, silver paper with a black bow. It had a card in it and I took it into my office and I ripped the card open and out fell this piece of paper. I unfolded the piece of paper, it was a transcript. Embalming 101, A minus. <laughs> The pathology of funeral services, A+, I realized that it was a transcript for someone in mortician school. <laughs> and then I read the note, Dear Bruce, thanks for the gift that Urban Promise gave me last semester so that I could finish my semester at mortician school. Not only did it get me through the semester, but it reminded me that I could do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I've got free embalming services, Jeff. <laughs> I called her up. I said, Siobhan, let's go out for coffee. We went out for coffee a couple of days ago. She reminded me that she started Urban Promise at the age of 13 was a street leader, went to camp. When she got out of high school, she bumped into the wrong guy and she got pregnant and uh, he was abusing her. She ran away, lived in a shelter. That expired and she told me that she was living in abandoned houses in Camden with no heat and no water. She said, my flame of faith almost extinguished, but I remembered what I'd learned at Urban Promise and I asked God to help get me through. I got to college. She's got two BA degrees from Rowan University. And now she's in mortician school because she wants to take that service to people in her community because she realized when her grandmother died that she couldn't afford the services. So this is the ministry that she wants. At one point in the conversation, she looked at me, Jeff, and she said, my story's not a pretty story. I used to be ashamed of it. I used to be embarrassed by it. But now it's mine. And I realized that God had written another great story. God writes a better story for both individuals and for communities. Let's bow our heads, gracious God. We thank you, you're a God that doesn't just save so that one day we can go to heaven. We thank you that you're a God who redeems, restores, reclaims, rebuilds, returns us to something even more beautiful and wonderful than we could ever imagine. We pray for faith, trust, and hope in you. Because we know that you are the source which every good and perfect story comes from. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. So we still have some time. Mm. We don't end early here at Hope. Well, you know, they taught me in seminary that no souls are saved after 20 minutes. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you're doing. Really? Because at my seminary, they said, if you haven't struck oil after 20 minutes, quit boring. Uh, that was wow. Same idea, I guess. Anyway, so we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah. And uh, we, we love these opportunities to, to hear from you, Bruce. Um, I, that idea, that's going to stick with me for a long time, too, that God writes a better story. So he's been writing a story uh, through the work of Urban Promise in Camden for 30 years. 30 years, and, and it's difficult ministry. I mean, you know, it's great what God has been doing and how the work has grown and so forth, but it, it's hard work and lots of discouragement and so forth. You've been doing it for 30 years. What keeps you fired up about about doing the ministry that you're in. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I mentioned uh, that I had just gone to Little Rock this week and got to visit for the first time one of our new ministries there and meet this young leader. And that fires me up, Jeff. Like, when I, after meeting with her, I talked to some of the students and they said, yeah, within the last two years, the community's different. Wow. It's changed. And, and it's changed because young one, you know, one young woman decided to step out in faith and, and birth this ministry. And that keeps me fired up. I mean, you know, I'm tired of reading all the negative stuff that comes out of, you know, these communities. Right. Um, it, it, it gets discouraging. But when you see people making a difference and God moving and, and literally writing better stories mm. than you or I could ever imagine, that, that keeps me fired up. That's very cool. So you guys have been <clears throat> at this, I, the number of lives that you have touched, uh, that have been touched by this ministry, tens of thousands, right? Um, how have you seen um, the impact in some ways in the city of Camden, would you say? Well, you know, when I started 30 years ago, just here's one little example. Yeah. You know, there, there was a lot of rivalries between different sections, different neighborhoods in the city. And there was, there was violence and gangs and, and all kinds of stuff. So for 30 years, we've been bringing kids from all those different parts of the city together in our program as street leaders, as campers. And, and so they built relationships with one another. I don't see that same kind of animosity between neighborhoods that I used to, that, that distrust, that, that fear of the other. And part of it's because we've created this new community, yeah. an alternative community. And I think that's what we do as God's people is we, you know, we create a space. You've created a space where people, different people can come together and we get to know each other. We break bread together. We worship together. We cry together. We laugh together. Yeah. And, and I think that that gives us a little glimpse of what God's kingdom is all about. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that <clears throat> I believed for a long time and, and actually know that governments, businesses, um, even educational institutions can't change a human heart. You know, only God can change a human heart. And so we're in that business of um, bringing the good news of Christ, bringing the spirit of God into a place where hearts can get changed and when hearts are changed, you know, that's when real significant change can take place. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, education's important and yep. social skills are, are significant and, and it's all part of what we do. 
But yeah, there, there's got to be a transformation of the heart. Yeah. And man, when that happens, exciting things take place. So it is um, a joy for us to partner with, with this ministry after the service. Uh, the folks will be back at the tables, and I hope you'll stop and, and uh, say hi to these guys. And yeah, and, and meet, meet the interns, give them a yeah. hug, and, and thank them for their service. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's quite a commitment. How yeah. many interns uh, do I, you, you know? know? I'm not sure. I think around 20 we've got. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Wow, you're so big now, you don't even know the number. I, <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> Um, so let's let's pray for uh, for Urban Promise, uh, both here in Camden and uh, far and wide where it is. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for raising up uh, visionary leaders who hear your voice, who follow your call, who take risks um, because they know that you write a better story, that they know the power of a changed heart and bring people from all of these different communities, um, the business community and the, and the government uh, community and, and uh, uh, neighborhoods within cities, bring these folks together um, to have an impact on the lives of a boy, of a girl, of a family. And so I pray your blessing on Urban Promise, God, your continued blessing. Uh, we are excited and humbled to see what you have done over 30 years through this ministry and through this leader. And uh, we pray, God, that this is just the beginning and that they will rise up on wings like eagles and that they will continue to follow you to every neighborhood, to every city, to every country that you call them to be and uh, that we'll see changed hearts and lives for Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. amen. Hey, have a great week, everybody.